Thank you so much, brothers, for leading us into the presence of God through praise and worship this morning. What a blessing that truly is. We have experienced such a, just a sweet, sweet spirit this morning. The presence of God in this place. What an amazing thing that is. Never, ever take that for granted. How many of you know without that, nothing we do means anything? Without God working on and working in and working through his people, um, then nothing we do in our own human capability is ever going to be effective. And so I'm thankful this morning that the Lord has chosen to bless us uh, with his presence in this place. Man, how good that is. Thank you so much, brothers, for all that you put into getting up before us each Sunday morning and preparing these worship services. And, uh, you do a great job, and we, you're, you're certainly appreciated, each and every one of you. I, will, I love all those songs that we sing because all those songs are just based upon Scripture, and, th and that's where the power lies in that. But uh, one, one thing that really struck me this morning while I was up here about to have my Baptocostal fit, uh, and I just about had one, I'm telling you, is that um, the, Bible, or the, the song that we were singing talks about that my Father has a place for me. Now I want you to think about that just a minute. God has a place for His children. Um, I, I remember back last Easter, my mother every year has a big uh, gathering at her house at Easter time. And so we'll all come over to Mama's and a lot of times there'll be 40, 50 people there and she cooks um, lunch for everyone. Man, we just have a great time together as, with, as family and friends. And uh, we got there late this past year, just a little bit late. We had uh, things going on here at the church and then had to meet with some people after church that day. And so we got there about 30 minutes after everybody else had got there. And we pulled up to, the, uh, to mom's house and we, I called ahead and told her to go ahead and start eating and, and they did. And so when I, when I pulled up, it seemed like the whole yard was just full of cars, full of people. And then I walked into a carport where all the tables were set up and all the tables were full of people. And, uh, and I thought, man, you know, here I am, um, a son, and uh, all the chairs are taken up, and I just don't know quite how I felt about that, you know. And, uh, <laughs> and so um, I, I walked on in, and, and, and my mother met me before I even fixed my plate. She said, now, son, when you get your plate fixed, come right over here. I've already got you a, a chair fixed right over here at the end of the table. And while we were singing that song, I thought about that. Because my mama loved me, she created a place for me. Now, I might not have been as important as everybody else there at that meeting that day, but my mama had a place for me. I may have not have has brought as much to the table as other people would have brought to the table that day at that meeting, but how many of you know I had a place at the table? Now listen, as children of God, how many of you know God has a place for you? Your father is, has created a place for you. You know what Jesus said? He said he's going to his father. And he told his disciples, he said, where I'm going, you can't come. But when I go away, I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. So how do you know this morning, you may feel like you're the least in the kingdom. You may feel like you don't bring much to the table. Let me say something. If you're a child of God, if you've been born again by grace through faith, your heavenly father has a place at the table for you. Amen. He's prepared a place for you and for me. And I don't know about you, but that excites me. We have something to look forward to as a people of God. What a blessing that truly is. Man, 
I love that song. There's power in that. John chapter 10, verse number 27. I want to finish up this morning what I began last week. We're trying to answer the question, biblically speaking, what does Jesus do? We've said that Jesus saves. If you believe Jesus saves, say amen. Amen, praise God. There is no other name under heaven whereby men might be saved except the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the way to the heavenly Father. He is the truth. He is the life according to John 14, 6. And so I'm thankful that Jesus saves. But how many of you know Jesus sanctifies? He loves you right where you are, but he loves you too much to leave you like he found you. So when he saves you, he begins the process of sanctification, of cleaning you up and setting you apart for the purpose of God. So Jesus saves, Jesus sanctifies. Let me give you another one. Jesus enables us to serve. How many of you are thankful that you're able to serve God? I want to tell you something. I was jacked up, fired up, sitting on G, waiting on O to get here this morning so that I might be able to be used of God. I'm thankful this today. He's given me the privilege of serving as your pastor. I'm thankful I get to stand before you every week and preach to you from an open Bible. I'm thankful I get to give to you what God has given to me. Folks, it's a joy serving the Lord. Can you say amen? So the Lord enables us to serve. We are serving the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We know we're serving with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's in this with us, and that's such a blessing. That's so powerful. So I'm thankful for the opportunity and the privilege God has given me to serve. He saves, he sanctifies, he enables us to serve, and I want to tell you something else. Jesus seals. The greatest thing that we can know as a believer is that Jesus has sealed us. See, it's a powerful thing to know that you can be saved. Isn't that the truth? I'm thankful for that. It's a powerful thing to know that you are saved as a believer. But what's even better than that is to know that you can't lose your salvation once you've truly been born again. Jesus seals. Now, how do we know that? We know it for a lot of different reasons. I gave you three of them last week. I'm going to give you uh, this morning five more. But, but listen what the Bible says here in verse number 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I'll give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Now, if you believe the word of God, say amen this morning. See, you need to know that when Jesus truly saves you, he seals you. He gives you eternal life. Everybody say eternal life. We're going to look more at that in just a moment. But you need to understand that you are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise as a believer. And folks, that is vital for you to know. Listen, if you don't know that you've been sealed, if you don't know that, listen, once you're saved, you're always saved, then, then it, that, that's going to hurt you in your walk with Christ. Listen, to be eternally secure, that, that it's, it's necessary for us to know that for our spiritual health. We talked about that last week. It's necessary for us to know that we are eternally secure because of our spiritual productivity. How many of you know God has called you and me as believers to bear fruit? And it's going to be very difficult for us to bear fruit if we're wondering from one minute to the next whether or not we're saved or not. Whether or not we've lost it. It's, it's, going, to, it's going to hurt us emotionally and spiritually if we're wondering from one minute to the next if I'm still accepted of God. If I'm still a child of God. 
And so you need to understand what God's word has promised. It's necessary for your spiritual health and for your spiritual productivity. I read a story this week on the Golden Gate Bridge out in, out in California. Has anybody ever seen the Golden Gate Bridge? Raise your hand if you've seen it. I've never saw it myself personally. I've saw pictures of it. I've always wanted to see it. But for a long time, it was the longest suspension bridge in the world. Now, when they started building this thing, for the first 1,000 feet, uh, that first section that they built, they didn't put a safety net under it. Let me tell you what they found out. When they didn't put that safety net under the bridge, 23 people fell to their death. 23. And so on the next section of the bridge, they decided that they were going to put a safety net. And so they did. They put the safety net on there. Ten people fell. But when those ten people fell, they were caught by the safety net. Can you say amen? Let me tell you what else they found out. They found out that, 20, that they finished their work on that second section with the safety net 25% faster than they did on the first section. Let me tell you what that shows. That shows when you know you are secure, you are going to be much more productive. And the same is true for us as children of God. When we know we've truly been born again and what God gives is eternal, eternal life, then we can understand and know that we are kept by Him. We're not trying to hold on to Christ, but Christ is holding on to us. And when you know that, you can bear the fruit of a child of God knowing um, that, that He's already finished the work that needs doing. And so that's why we're looking at this section of Scripture. I heard a story this week about a Church of Christ preacher. And he went over to his uh, local barber and he had a big bushy beard, and he decided he was going to get his beard shaved. And so he went and sat down there in the, in the barber's chair, and the barber uh, started cutting off his beard and shaved him up nice and clean, boy, just as smooth as he could be. And he left, thanked the barber and paid him, and went home to his wife, and his wife fell to his face, and she said, oh, honey, that feels just like it did when we were dating. And she said, I can't believe you look completely different. And she was just amazed at the at his new shave and, and, and she was happy about it and about two weeks later she was seeing him come through the door again and she walked over and, and she touched his face and said man your face still just as smooth as it can be and he said you know what I have not shaved since the barber shaved me and it's been two weeks she said well you don't even have any stubble and he said, no, no, I don't know, I don't know what, how to explain that. And so then they went about another week, and, and sure enough, still no stubbles, no nothing. It's, he'd been completely clean shaven for two, three weeks now, and it's come time for him to get a haircut. And he went back to his local barber, and he sat down in the barber's chair, and the barber cut his hair, and, uh, and, and the, the man getting his hair cut, the Church of Christ preacher said, I, I got a question to ask. He said, it's puzzled me and my wife for the last two and a half, three weeks. He said, why is it that you shaved me one time and I'm still just as smooth as I can be? I don't even have any stubble. He said, well, I can answer that for you. He said, this is a Baptist barber shop. And that, and that preacher said, that Church of Christ preacher said, well, what's it mean it's a Baptist barber shop? He said, well, once you're shaved, you're always shaved. <laughs> now listen to me. Once you've truly been saved, you're always saved. You say, oh, no, wait a minute, brothers. What about these people that uh, were saved a long time ago? They lived for the Lord, but now they're not living for the Lord. Well, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said it plainly. There'll be many in that day at the last judgment day that says, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these things? And Jesus is going to say what? Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. It wasn't that they had salvation and they lost their salvation. Jesus said, I, I never knew you to start with. They never had it. 
1 John 2, 19 says it plainly. The Bible says that many went out from the church and they left the church, went out from the church back into the world because they were never of them to begin with. They were never a member of the body. I'm saying once you've truly been born again, once you've truly placed your trust in Jesus and you know the Holy Spirit's done a work on the inside that's made a difference on the outside, from that moment on you are eternally secure. Because of the promise, Romans 8, 38 and 39 makes us the promise that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. He gives a list of 10 things. We looked at those last week. And he promises that nothing above earth or under the earth or in the earth, no creature, not even you yourself, can separate yourself from the love of Jesus. Why? Again, I'm not holding on to him. He's holding on to me. I did not work to obtain salvation, so I can't lose my salvation because of a lack of work. And we'll see that this morning. Because of the promise, we know that we are eternally secure once you've truly been born again. But we also said, listen, because of the perseverance of God, Philippians 1, 6 says that he who hath begun the good work will continue the day of Jesus Christ. How many know what God starts? He finishes. He don't quit on you in the middle somewhere. So because of the promise, because of the perseverance that God provides for us, but also because of the position. How many know when you trusted in Jesus, you went from being outside Christ to in Christ? You are made a partaker of all Christ is and all Christ has. You become a part of the body, many members making up one body. See, I can't slip out of the hand of Jesus because I'm a finger. Think about it. You're in Christ. You're in the body. You're one of the many members that make up the whole. Wow. Let me give you some more this morning. You need to know the promise. You need to know the perseverance that God gives. You need to know the position you have in Christ. Let me give you this one. What about perfection? Everybody take your Bibles. Turn to the book of Hebrews with me. Hebrews chapter number 10. I'm going to read to you something that's going to blow you away. Watch what it says. Hebrews 10. Look down at verse number 14. I tell you what, let's just start with verse number, number 12. All of this is good. Let's just start with verse number 10. Hebrews 10, 10, watch this. By the which will we are sanctified, everybody say sanctified, cleaned up, set apart for the purpose of God by the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. Watch what it says. Once for all. Everybody say once for all. Look at verse 11. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, meaning Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. From henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. Now watch what he says in verse 14. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. How many of you know, because of the offering of Jesus, all of those who have trusted in him by faith and the blood of Christ has been applied to your life, the Bible says you have been perfected forever. Let me tell you what that means. Brothers, if you will, please put for me Romans chapter 4, starting in verse number 3. Romans chapter 4. You don't have to turn there, but I do want you to write it down. You can go back and read it later. 
Listen how the Apostle Paul puts it there. Romans chapter 4, verse number 3. For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. So what Paul is saying, if you're trying to work for your salvation, then your salvation is no longer by grace. Now your salvation, you're, you're trying to work off a debt. But how many know we are only saved by grace through? It's not by works, lest any man should boast. Isn't that what Paul said in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9? So he says, look, you, you cannot work for your salvation. You must, listen, receive the free gift of grace to be saved. Now watch how he puts it, verse number 5. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, the, the same is counted for right. Everybody say counted. Now let me tell you what this means. That means the righteousness of Christ is imputed unto you when you trust in him for salvation. That means God puts the righteousness of Christ on your account. Amen. So now when God sees me and God sees you as a believer, he no longer sees us in our sin. How do you know he sees us as the righteousness of his son? Why? The blood has been applied to my heart and life by grace through faith. And if the blood has been applied to your heart and life by grace through faith, the same is true for you. He's made them perfect forever by one sacrifice. You say, no, wait a minute, brother. You're not perfect. Well, I know that. And you're not either. Listen, practically we are in this flesh. Say amen if you believe it. And so by, by all practical means, I am certainly imperfect. Positionally, I am in Christ. Y'all missed that, so I'm going to say it again. Positionally, I am in Christ. So by God's grace, he reckons me perfect, not because of my righteousness or, or because of my lack of right, my unrighteousness. He reckons me perfect because the righteousness of Christ has been put on my account. Wow. Now practically every day, me being in this flesh, I still got to ask forgiveness. Can you say amen? Just like you do. God still takes me to the woodshed, convicts me, and chastises me as his child many times throughout my life. That's a different message for a different day, but I'm just trying to tell you this morning, listen, we are made perfect. The righteousness of Christ is imputed unto us, and God no longer sees us in our sin. Folks, that means you're eternally secure. You're not saved because of who you are, because of who Christ is. You're not saved because of what you do or what you have done. You're saved because of what Christ has already done on your behalf. Wow. Promise, perseverance, position, perfectness. Let me give you another one. Predestined. How many know you've been predestined in Christ? Can you say amen to that? Everybody take your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 8. Let's look at this one verse. Romans chapter 8, verse number 29. For whom he did foreknow. Everybody say foreknow. Watch. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. How many of you know, before the world even began, the Bible says that God had already, he already foreknew who was going to accept Christ and who was going to reject Christ. That means that God looked down through the corridors of time. He looked down at, at the point in time in my life when I chose to receive Christ as my Savior and having foreknowledge that I was going to trust in Jesus. He said, you know what? 
Israel Price is going to one day become just like my son Jesus. Amen? So before the world even began, I was predestined in Christ. Are you getting me? Why? Because God already knew it. Now, I do not believe like the hyper-Calvinists would believe who says that some are predestined to be saved and some are predestined to be lost. I certainly believe that those who are saved are predestined to be saved. But I don't believe anybody's predestined to be lost. Let me tell you why. Because the Bible still says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible says, whosoever shall believe that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh shall be saved. For God so loved the world that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Who is the elect? Who are the chosen? It's the whosoevers. But God foreknew before time began who the whosoevers were. Can you say amen? amen? I guess my point is, see, I don't know how far I go to God and I don't know how far God comes to me. And nobody else knows it either. But I'm glad I got in on it. Anybody who does claim to know it, it's pretty arrogant in my opinion. Can you say amen? You are predestined. If you've you placed your trust in Jesus been born again, listen, it is your destiny to become like Christ. The Bible says, in the last part of Romans 8, 29, excuse me, verse, verse number 30, moreover whom he did predestinate, then he also called, and whom he called, then he also justified, and whom he justified, then he also glorified. Everybody say glorified. Glorified is in the past tense. Let me tell you what that means. Your salvation is so complete that God already sees you as being glorified with Christ. That's what it says in, in Ephesians chapter 2 that we are seated with him in heavenly places already. Why? It's my destiny to become just like Jesus. That, you can't get any more eternally secure than that. You, you, you say, brother, if all that's true, then that's about the best news I've ever heard. That is the best news you, you'll ever hear. That's why they call it the good news. This is amazing. Why would God do this? Because he loves you. Because he loves you. Because just like we sing about, his love is the hurricane and we're the tree. We're overwhelmed by his love. His grace is the ocean, and we're sinking in it. I cannot fathom the love and grace of God. Let me give you another one. Possession. Everybody say possession. Look in John chapter 5. I'll read to you one verse there, and we're going to move quickly. John chapter 5. Verse number 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me, watch this, hath, everybody say it with me. Say it again. Say it again. Say it one more time. <laughs> Everlasting life. You've got it. Once you trust in Jesus, at that moment you have everlasting life. A lot of people think salvation is like the layaway plan at Walmart. You know how the layaway plan works or how it used to work, don't you? 
You go down, you put your down payment on whatever you're going to buy on layaway, and then you make monthly installments after that, or weekly installments, or however you want to come in. You come in, pay on a little bit of time until finally it's yours. Right? And a lot of people think salvation the same way, that Jesus paid the price at the cross, but then you've got to make monthly installments every week, every day, every month. That's not what God's Word says. According to John 5, 24, it says that once you've believed, you have everlasting life. So when do you get everlasting life? Say it again, Miss Brenda. Absolutely, when you believe. You get it when you believe. See, I don't get everlasting life when I get to heaven. I got everlasting life the moment I trusted in Jesus. Right then I got it. Now, it says everlasting life. Now, if I lost my uh, salvation in five years, it would have said five-year life. If I, if I could lose my salvation in two days, it'd say two-day life. You know what it says? Everlasting life. Why? Because that's what it is. It don't end. We're not making monthly installments. Jesus has already paid everything it needs to be paid. And then he gave us his righteousness. Oh my goodness. Do you see how that changes people's lives? Do you see how that eases your mind? Oh folks, I couldn't keep it if I tried. If I was, if I was earning my salvation and keeping my salvation, I'd have lost it this morning. I don't tell you, I had some impure thoughts about my children this morning. I got up, wanted to come on over to the church, study for today's sermon in my Sunday school class. So I was going to come over a little bit early. And my wife had got to go to the grocery store today. And so she got up early and left for the grocery store. She said, if you don't care, wake the kids up before you leave. I said, I'll do it. And so I walk in, go to my little girl's room. She, she's the first one I come to as I'm walking down the hall. I said, Ella Grace, get up, babe. Let, let's go ahead and get ready. Oh, Dad, she just rolled over. Dad, please, give me a little. I said, now you got to get up because I'm fixing to leave and Mama's already gone and I don't know when she'll be back. I need to go ahead and get ready. Oh, Dad, please. Now, last night she had promised me she was going to get her bath in the morning. That's a lie, brothers and sisters. <laughs> parents, parents, don't y'all fall for that. Don't y'all fall for it. See, she's tired last night. Oh, Dad, I've been swimming. I've been watching fireworks. I'm so tired. Please, Dad, don't make me get it tonight. I'll promise I'll get up in the morning. Then I come this morning. She ain't going to get up. Said so I went to Gage's room. Son, get up. Let's go, buddy. Come on. Hop up. Dad, please, give me, give me 10 more minutes. 10 more minutes. Walk to Anna Kate's room. I, I walk in and holler at her three times. She don't even pull the covers off of her head for the first three times. And then the third time, I really hollered at her, and she said, okay, Dad, I'm up, I'm up. And so I go ahead and get ready. Go back into Ella Grace's room. Guess what she's still doing? Laying there just sound asleep in that bed. Ella Grace, get up. Now you said you was going to get ready this morning. Okay, Dad, I'm getting up, I promise. I'm up, I'm up. She, she got my eyes, got real big, you know, looking over her bed. I'm up, I promise, I'm up. So I go to Gage's room. Gage, get up, son. Come on now. Don't, don't, don't make us late. My mama's going to be gone. Be ready when she gets back. And so then he, he rolls out of his bed, sets up on his bed. I could tell he ain't hearing a word I'm saying. His eyes are still half closed. And I said, get on up now. All right, Dad. I'm, all right, all right. I'm getting up. Go down to Kate's room. Holler at her again. This time I pull the covers off her head. After the third time, I had had it up to here. 
with getting kids up. And before I left the house, everybody got up. And then when I left, they went back to bed. <laughs> I'm just saying, hey, if, if, if I was going to lose my salvation because of sin, I'd have lost it this morning because I'd done lost my temper big time. Folks, the best I can do, I can't keep it. God knew that. That's why he said, I'm going to give you the righteousness of my son. Your righteousness is not good enough. You have everlasting life. Now, you ain't waiting on it. You got it when you got saved. You're possessed by him. You have it. Wow, I love that verse. You have it now. Then prayer. Let's look in John chapter 17. John chapter number 17. And I want to start reading in verse number 9. This is the high priestly prayer of the Lord Jesus. Do y'all know that every prayer Jesus prayed was answered? Did you ever see a prayer that Jesus prayed that wasn't answered? Did you ever see it? You may tell you why? Because he always prayed in the will of the Father. Always. Now, I said that one time, and a lady stopped me after church. She said, now, wait a minute, brother. He prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. If, 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 if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. I said, yeah, he did pray that, but you, did, you, you, missed, you didn't get all the prayer. He did pray that. He prayed, Lord, let the, Heavenly Father, let this cup pass from me. But the rest of that prayer says, nevertheless, thy will be done. Somebody say amen. Thy will be done. God answered that prayer. His will was done at the cross. The price was paid at the cross, praise Jesus. And so every prayer that Jesus prayed was answered. Listen to this when he prayed. John chapter 17, verse 10. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I am come to thee, Holy Father. Keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are one. He's praying for his disciples, Peter and John and Matthew and, and all those disciples that he had. James, uh, Nathaniel, Philip, all of them. Look, look at verse 12. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. I kept them in thy name. I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, which we know to be Judas. Watch what he says. That the scripture might be fulfilled. The only one I lost is the one I never had. The only one that never had me. The son of perdition. Remember me telling you last week, it wasn't that Judas was saved and then lost his salvation. Judas never was saved. Now you say, well, brothers, well, that, hey, listen, I know he prayed for Peter and James and John and Philip and Matthew and all those guys. I know he prayed for them, but what about me? Well, what about you? Skip on down to verse number 15. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from evil. Verse 16 says, They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So he prays for his disciples that he had then. But now listen. Verse number 20. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which, thou, which shall believe on me through their word, that they may, may be all as one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, and they also may be one in us. Everybody say in us. When I trusted in Jesus, my position changed. I'm in Christ. Guess what, though? 
But Christ is also in me and the person of the Holy Spirit. But according to John 17 and John chapter 10, not only am I in Christ and Christ is in me, but we all in the Father. Isn't that awesome? That the world may believe that thou hast sent me. We're eternally secured because of this prayer. Jesus never prayed a prayer that wouldn't answer. Let me give you another one because of power. Because of power. Everybody turn to 1 Peter chapter number one. You'll remember this if you're here for a Wednesday night Bible study. First Peter chapter one, verse number three. Somebody underline it, put a star by it, write it down, do something. This will help you. First Peter one three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Look how rich this is. Look at verse number five. Who are... Who are... Who are kept? How? By the power of God. Through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. How are you kept? By the power of God. You're eternally secure, folks, because of the promise of God. Because of the position that you're in in Christ. Because of the perseverance God provides. Because of the perfection that is imputed on your behalf through the righteousness of Christ. Because of predestination. Because of the possession you have. Listen, you now possess eternal life. Because of the prayer of Jesus. Because of the power of God. Somebody say amen. <laughs> Ain't he good? He's good. Do you know him? Do you really know him? If you really know him, you're eternally secure. If you don't know him, why not today? Why not today? Let today, if you're not sure, you're, you've been wondering. It's weighing heavy on your heart and mind. There's a reason it's weighing heavy on your heart and mind. Maybe today needs to be the day that you nail it down, that you make for sure that you've trusted in Jesus. Because the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon him shall be saved. So if God's dealing with your heart this morning, won't you come? Won't you trust in Him? If you are a child of God and you need to pray for someone else, need to pray for some cares in your life, need to confess some sin because, listen, even, you are, even though you are positionally perfect, you are not practically perfect day by day, so we still got to confess our sin and the same grace that saves us keeps us. Maybe you need to do that today. Maybe you want to join this church, be baptized. Maybe you just want your pastor to pray for you. I'd, that's my privilege. I'd love to pray for you. Just let me know. However we can help you, that's what I want to do. God is so good. I tell you what, I got studying this stuff. And I was reminded just how good he is. 
just all he's done and all he keeps doing. And for that, I've got to praise him with my lips and with my life. Everybody stand together. Don't wait. You'll be closing this service. Today, be submissive to the will of God. Don't grieve the Spirit. Don't quench the Spirit. Just let God be God. Do what He says. Whatever that is. Whatever that means for you.